Welcome to Mom Body Soul Podcast. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Ziggy. Mom Body Soul Podcast was born from some open, honest conversations about our own personal fertility, birth, and parenting journeys. Having worked in the pre and postnatal wellness industry for many years, we have learned so much and have made so many amazing connections with other mamas and health professionals. We talk triumphs and struggles and learn from inspiring expert guests who share not only their work, but their personal stories too. We're more than just moms. This This is Mom Body Soul. Hey listeners, in this week's episode, my co-host Ziggy shares her journey from fitness into pregnancy, navigating postpartum depression, and finding her tribe. If you feel affected by any of the issues highlighted in this podcast, make sure to seek support from your local mental health service or check out our Instagram at mombodysoulpodcast for helpful links. The greatest way to support this podcast is to share it with your friends or anyone you think will benefit from listening to this episode. Don't forget to subscribe so you can be the first to listen when each new episode is released. All right, enjoy. Today, we are interviewing one of our co-founders, who is Ziggy. I'm super excited to talk to you, even though I know you. I have, I feel like there's some things, there's some stuff to find out about. So, Ziggy, why don't you just start off by telling us who you are? So, my name is Ziggy. I'm also known as ZigFitMama. As we are recording this, I am 28 years old. I have a three-year-old, and I have a five-month-old. For those of you who don't know Ziggy, Ziggy started as like in the fitness industry. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey from that and how you got to this point where you're working now in a lot of the pre- and postnatal industry? So I went to university, gained a bunch of weight, <laughs> drank too much, ate too much, you know, the whole thing. This is very familiar. Yeah, and then I was 20, I broke up with a boyfriend and I stopped drinking because it just did not serve me anymore. Do you know what I mean? Every time I partied or whatever, it just led to bad choices, bad food, bad feelings in the morning. So I really thought this isn't serving me. And I just threw myself into activities, social activities. I was on all these committees. I was just trying to, you know, I had the addiction of busyness yeah. and I just wanted to schedule my life and fill it probably because I didn't want to look at myself or look at the reasons why this relationship ended. Mm. And I then went on this path of trying to better myself, which is a, a good problem to have. Yeah. And we used to go to this CrossFit box and I, that's where I learned how to lift. That was just a really, a really pivotal moment in my life. Once I started lifting and the combination of lifting well and lifting correctly and learning how to load my body with all of the body weight stuff of pole fitness, add to that, now I'm really interested in nutrition. It was all endorphin inducing and I was super, you know, I drank the Kool-Aid. Like I was super into it. I just wanted to know everything about fitness I was studying psychology at the time because I wanted to be a counselor. I wanted to be a therapist. Flash forward to I graduate. I start interning. My boss was crazy. 
six weeks into this job, I was just like, I am 21. I am too young to be doing this. I am so emotionally tired dealing with this man. (laughs) And my coach at the gym was like, you are here every day. Just go get your coach's cert and just start working here. I switched paths. I did my CrossFit level one. And I really believe that when you open yourself up to the universe, more things happen. So it was just like, I want to do like the hand emoji of like money, you know, like money flying out. (laughs) If anyone, I'm making it rain right now. I just had so much momentum. Went and did my CrossFit cert. I passed. I then got offered a a free trip to LA to go with this brand, uh, Two Times You. It's a clothing brand. All of these opportunities were happening because I had turned down this one job and followed the fitness path. I decided I no longer wanted to be in the UK after a trip home to Hong Kong. I was offered a job at a personal training gym. This place was invested in very quick turnaround transformations, Mm. very nutrition heavy. And as part of, you know, doing transformation on others, you had to do transformations on yourself. So I went through the protocol. I did the low carb, high fat diet, the intense, you know, the exercise that for me was the easy part. The nutrition was the hard part because that flagged up a lot of, for want of a better word, like disordered eating. When I started only being able to see food in macronutrients. So I could look at a plate of food and tell you how many carbs, fats, and proteins were in there and what I needed for my body to fuel my workout. If that is your life, go for it. But that is not my life. And the more I worked there, the more I realized that I wasn't, or my feelings and views weren't in line with this company's feelings and views. My second year of working there, I met my now partner, Dan. So tell me, like, what was the first time you met him? I met him in passing at another gym. He was working out. I went with a girlfriend to go check out the gym. We just had a conversation. And then the next time we saw each other, we, which was a few months later, we ended up... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We ended up doing the dirty. <laughs> we ended up physically uniting. <laughs> and I mean, you heard it here first. Everyone. But I mean, people do that, right? Yeah, they do. They, they do. do. And I was twenty-three. Oh, yeah, I was twenty-two or twenty-three, and that happened. And I'm really glad it happened because a couple months later, gosh, it was yeah, it was a couple months later. I found out I was pregnant. No way. Yeah. The thing, okay, so the thing was, I tracked my period. For the last couple of menstrual cycles, I had been off anyways. Like I was a week late, and then one time I had a period twice in a month. And I just put it down to stress, being stressed at work, being overworked. And so I didn't think anything of it. And the next month rolls around, my period's late again based on this app. So I just didn't do anything about it, you know, gave it another week, still hasn't happened. Pee on a stick, you know, two lines, you're pregnant. The first person I called was actually a friend's mom, who was this woman who I really looked up to, and she was always the voice of reason, and she went with me to the doctor to get a real test. And the doctor was like, you're pregnant. (laughs) And I was just in shock because 
I wasn't trying to get pregnant. It was, I hadn't asked for these things. I didn't, I didn't know what it was. The moment I found out that I was pregnant, it was like a, a switch had been flipped in my brain and I immediately went into protection mode. Mm. And I started Googling all the stuff. And it was bizarre because there were four pregnant women training in the gym at that time. I don't know. Maybe there was something in the water. Anyways, I got on a plane to Australia, started experiencing all my pregnancy symptoms, you know, nausea, tiredness, came back after two weeks. Saw the first thing I did was then tell my parents because I figured I would have been eight weeks pregnant by then. And they initially took it very well and were extremely supportive of the choice that I had made to keep the baby because that was my choice. At the end of this two weeks, I chose to keep the baby because I had this overwhelming sense that I was supposed to have this baby. Oh. You know? Yes. And I think a lot of people in my position, 23, not married, would have done the opposite and would have gone for termination. So I have a very deep sense of gratitude. And I kept that gratitude throughout the pregnancy because so many people really, really want to have babies and they can't. And I didn't even try, you know? I was not trying. I'm so grateful that had that. And I went through it with that mentality. Around month four... My dad had some health issues and he just completely switched off. It's his stuff. It doesn't really have anything to do with me, but we no longer have a relationship and are just completely estranged from each other. I kept lines of communication open with him for as long as possible and he never replied. And on the day of my son's birth, which was December 22nd, which is also my dad's birthday, that was the last message I sent him and I just said... This is your grandson. You have my number. If you ever want to talk, you know where to find me. The door is always open, but he needs to do whatever he needs to do. And I have a lot of acceptance around that now. I didn't at the time. I felt very hurt and very betrayed. My mom was there in whatever capacity she could be there. But I know it's a difficult position for her to be in. And I think now that I'm a parent, I realize that he had expectations of me. And that must not have been this, yeah. just really hard at that time, like when you're pregnant. Oh, I was so emotional know. about it. But because my intention was to live at home with my parents while I was figuring everything out and have the support of my family around. And that's not what happened. So Dan and I moved in together. We then just started making it work. And I'm actually, in a weird way, grateful for it. Because it has meant that Dan and I have had to make things work. And it has meant that Dan has been there every step of the way. If there's anything we realize through becoming mothers, it's that you can't do it alone. Whether it's support, supplements, advice, or just shit moms need, Mom Body Soul has your back. And speaking of backs, it's normal to feel some backache or changes in the pelvic area during your pregnancy, but it's very important you listen to your body. If you have any persistent ache or 
experience any sharp pain, we highly recommend getting checked out by a professional. One of our favorite clinics in Hong Kong is the gorgeous and airy little hideaway that is Up Health Clinic in Central. Our very own Ziggy tried and tested their chiropractic treatments during her second pregnancy. I had regular weekly adjustments from my second trimester onwards and slept better than I did pre-pregnancy. You gotta do it. Over 50% of women experience back pain during pregnancy. That statistic increases with subsequent pregnancies, so back pain is extremely common. Chiropractic is an effective and gentle method to resolve ongoing pain without the need for medication during pregnancy. Find them on Instagram at UpHealthHK or visit their site www.uphealth.com.hk to book your appointment today. Flash forward to I am doing my birthing classes. I was full on let's do the hypnobirthing. And I did a method that was the original method. It's called the Mongan method of hypnobirthing. I drank the Kool-Aid. I was doing all the meditations in the bath every day. I had lost my mucus plug maybe oh, yes. two weeks before my due date. You told me this story. Yeah. It's quite funny. And I had an appointment the same day I lost my mucus plug. And they just said, okay, wait for contractions or bleeding or, you know, signs of active labor. Nothing. And I went to bed every night and I woke up the next morning. I was like, I'm still pregnant. This happened for about 10 days. One morning I woke up. And I saw streaks of um, pink in my underwear. And I was like, yes, today is the day. Super excited. I got on FaceTime to my sister, showed her my underwear, and she was like, you need to go to the hospital. And I was like, no, 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 we're fine. We've got time. We've got loads of time. And she was like, no, I've had that. And my sister always had really quick labors, like two hours or less. She was like, you need to go to the hospital. In that instant, I had fear put into my mind and kind of wasn't confident in the information that I'd been given in our birthing classes. We went up to the hospital. They monitored. I was in, I was having what I like to call surges. People refer to them as contractions, but I was having surges every five minutes. And I was like, woo, things are happening. 12 hours in the hospital still less than a period cramp. So I was like, please, can I go home? So they said, yes, you can go home. We'll discharge you. Try and live your life. So we did that for another day. And I think your first baby, you just don't know what to expect. And you think, is it going to get more intense? Is this it? Is this as intense as it's going to get? And what I really should have done was slept. But I was so excited. I was so excited because I was going to have a baby. Back to the hospital about 8 p.m. We get there. They check me. And they say, your surges are still five minutes apart. (laughs) And I just looked at Dan and I was like, go home. You go get some sleep. I'll see you tomorrow morning. Long story short. About an hour or two after I got to the hospital, things started progressing and I felt a lot of pressure in my butt. I thought I needed to poop. They said, so we are going to move you into the delivery room. Where is your husband? Uh, I sent him home to go sleep. So they are calling him every hour on the hour to come to the hospital. He's not there. 
So I'm just laboring lovely in the delivery room and I told myself I am not giving birth until he shows up. And I really think mind over matter, things did not progress or transition until Dan showed up at 5 a.m. He left me at 8 (laughs) p.m. They were calling him every hour. I have forgiven him now. I was going to say, have you ever forgiven him? I have forgiven him now, but it's just such a damn thing to do. Like, show up super late. He's just... To his son's birth. Right? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) He showed up eventually. I guess I'm grateful for that. But you know what? I am really grateful for it because he was my absolute rock. He's also a coach. He was the best support I could have asked for. And when he showed up, that's when everything kind of switched on and sped up. There was also, so I went through the public system in Hong Kong. So in the public system, it's not the same doctor or nurse. It depends on your shift. There was a shift change, a midwife change. And the nurse who came in was like, hey, mommy, relax. And I just wanted to punch her in the face. (laughs) And luckily I had Dan who was there for me and he just dealt with everyone else so I could focus on my breathing. I have a condition that was only flagged in pregnancy called thalassemia. It's thalassemia minor. And basically my red blood cells are funny shaped or they're small. So they don't transport oxygen around my body as efficiently as other people. Because of this, I can find it difficult to breathe during my pregnancy or if I go to altitude. Those are the only times it's ever been an issue for me. The thing that really got me during that labor was that I couldn't control my breathing and I couldn't calm myself down. I ended up having an epidural. When I had the epidural, I basically just went to sleep. And they would come in during intervals and just check how numb I was. At one point, I couldn't feel from the breast down. So they said, we need to take you off the epidural because you're too numb. In the public system here, they give you an hour to push. They say 60 minutes or we're going to introduce intervention. And I just didn't want to have another intervention because I'd had the epidural. I wanted to try and have the most natural vaginal birth as possible. When I was pushing, my brain told me, this is too hard, I can't do it, just get him out. And I had Dan in my ear and holding my hand, and he was just counting from one to 10. Because that's when they told me to do everything that they had told me the opposite of in my birthing courses. They told me to hold my breath and bear down, like I was gonna do a poop. It was very tiring. In all honesty, it was very, very tiring. Just that feeling after you've pushed a baby out, it's, yeah, euphoria, absolute euphoria. It was a really, I just can't, it's so indescribable to hold your baby and just the moment you become a mom on the outside, yeah, that was really amazing. I was so in love with him, but just very, very tired. So we did an hour of skin to skin, and after that hour point, they said, would you like to try and feed your baby? And so they helped me latch, and that was a really, really cool feeling. The first time a baby attaches themselves themselves to your nipple, and it's a very bizarre feeling because it hasn't really happened before. We went home, and reality kicked in. Like I felt like I'd been hit by a bus, do you know what I mean? 
I, it was very difficult to walk around and things like that. I had, I had some stitches from some tearing. Were you surprised being a person who's so physical at this point, right? So in tune with your body and working out and exercising, were you surprised about how you physically felt afterwards? Yeah, I, I brought jeans with me to the hospital because I thought that like you, you're pregnant and then you're not, you know, like in the movies. But I didn't realize I was going to be in maternity clothes for a couple months after. And I just thought, you're going to walk out and then you're going to just live your life, but with a baby in tow. And that's totally not what postpartum is like. And I have such respect for the postpartum period now because the goal is establishing a new normal. Yes. And recovery. I, we didn't have, so in Hong Kong, there's domestic help. Over here, there isn't, you know... Well, we don't have nurseries, daycares. Yeah. A lot of people are away from their family. So we don't have that extension of help a lot of times. So yeah. a lot of people need to employ domestic helpers, especially in this particularly challenging early period. For sure. And I just assumed that things were going to be easy but I really struggled with finding the time to cook, clean, feed myself, figure out breastfeeding, find time to shower, and doing all of that in this body that's just gone from being pregnant to now suddenly not pregnant, uterus still contracting, walking around, sitting on you know, ice pads and things like that. The breastfeeding stuff, that was what I don't think enough people prepare you for. I just assumed it was natural and therefore easy. We ended up, so I just had a lot of bad latches and we ended up exclusively pumping, meaning that I was waking up and pumping and sterilizing and doing the whole shebang every two to three hours. I didn't have someone else helping sterilize and wash and feed the baby the bottle so I would be there pumping while holding him and then feeding him this bottle putting him down after burping him for 30 minutes or whatever and then you know that's it that's the cycle and I had to do it all over again I was just so exhausted add in pelvic floor dysfunction big gloopy belly very little familial support I was very, you know, I was the first one of my friendship group to have a child. People just didn't get it. And when people came around to visit, they just wanted to hold the baby. What I realize now is, oh, that's great. But also, I have overwhelming anxiety and I don't want you touching my baby. <laughs> I need help. Please bring me food. I didn't know how to say all of these things. And I think also the tension between mine and Dan's relationship in those early days was really tough. The first year after you have a baby is so tough. And everything's just constantly changing. Like yeah. baby's going through all of these milestones so quickly. And, you know, whether you transition from breast to formula or you go back to work or whatever it is, there are always so many changes. And whenever there's change, there's like a little teething period. Anyways, I ended up developing postnatal depression. 
And that was not what I expected because regardless of the challenges emotionally in my pregnancy, I had a very chilled out pregnancy. I had a really enjoyable pregnancy. I loved it. Whatever was going on with my family life, I still thought, you know, I got this. We got this. We're good. And the postpartum baby blues lasted more than six weeks for me. I was randomly crying. But I thought postpartum depression meant that you wanted to hurt your baby. I loved my baby. There was one day where I was like, I'm either going to kill myself or drink a lot. I, I still, to this day, feel like if I hadn't had sobriety and a spiritual connection to what I like to call God, I would have either killed myself or gotten drunk and fell asleep on my baby. Do you know what I mean? Mm, it's dark. It was super dark. So like what happened to get you out of that? So the little support that I did have was from that same friend's mom who I called when I was pregnant, when I found out I was pregnant. She lived very close by and she would come occasionally and give me food. She basically would just stock my fridge and she had told, oh, I'm so grateful for her. She had told a bunch of other moms to do the same thing. And she encouraged me to get out of the house. I had a neighbor who was in my antenatal group and she had had her baby maybe four to five weeks before mine. And she used to, we used to just text each other last minute be like, I'm leaving the house, let's go for a walk. And those little walks where we would just talk, I realized well, I'm not the only one going through all of these changes. I'm not the only one who isn't finding this easy or natural. I'm not the only one arguing with my partner. That's why connection is so, so important. important. We're yeah. both crying. We're always both going to cry every episode. <laughs> Just bear that in mind. Yeah. <laughs> so if you could go back to that version of yourself, which I think you have done this in our conversations, but like, mm-hmm. what would you, what would you say? Uh, I would just, you know what? And I have gone back to that person because that person shows up in my mom's and bub's classes all the time. That person shows up in my DMs on Instagram all the time. And I feel I feel so lucky that all of these women reach out to me and they they trust me with their stories and they trust me with their mental health essentially. The biggest takeaway is you are not alone and everything will be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, they they trust you because you have opened up. And I think that's, I think that's also, you can speak to this more too, but I think that's really key in early motherhood is being really brave and opening up with your story. Because the second you are brave enough to say something that's been really hard for you, like for me, admitting that it wasn't easy with my partner for, because I considered us to have such a good and strong relationship and I still did, but it was really challenging in that first year after and to admit that to someone you think are they going to think I don't love him are they going to think we're going to get a divorce they're going to think we're not a strong couple anymore I mean 
And you just extrapolate that to all the things going on, like you having those feelings and you think, well, what are people going to think if I say I wanted to kill myself or drink a lot? Like that's a really big thing to be brave and to open up. Yeah. To, to share with the world. For sure. Thank but you. you need to, and I look, I mean, you, you doing that is saving other people who can reach out and connect with you. It's a huge thing. I, I think you underestimate and undervalue the connections you grow in our community. So for those of you who don't know, Ziggy, she really builds connections and allows people to like speak out and, mm. and be uplifted. And that's what it's all about. That's really what it's all about, this new early motherhood stuff. Is, you need it. It massively is. And, I mean, coming from the fitness industry, I just assumed I was going to bounce back. I just assumed I was going to have a six-pack. I just assumed I was going to be able to do push-ups and squats. And I couldn't do any of those things. I was struggling to get up off the sofa in one fluid movement. <laughs> and that's an identity shift. As someone who works in the fitness industry, the wellness industry as well, like I had that same physical inability to just suddenly do things. It's like you're not who you were anymore. So I don't know if you felt that that was really challenging in those early days. It was the physicality of actually looking down at my body and being in this postpartum skin that I was not comfortable in. Add to that all of the dysfunction that I was feeling in my body. So the pelvic floor dysfunction, so um, like coughing and sneezing and having incontinence, so accidentally wetting myself, or trying to jump and accidentally wetting myself, having a separation of my abdominals so I couldn't plank uh, without coning. And that's because I had very dominant uh, rectus. So that's like the six pack on the outside Mm -hmm. and very weak, deep inner core muscles that people don't really focus on because they're not cool and sexy to do. They're very boring exercises. Function over aesthetic is so much more important, especially during pregnancy and postpartum. Most people were like, okay, six weeks, let's go. Let's start exercising. And I remember going to my six-week checkup. They did a vaginal um, clench test, essentially, like a Kegel. And that was it. That was my checkup. And we were, I had decided to stop working because A, we didn't have a helper. And B, I had overwhelming anxiety and just wanted to be with my baby. Anything that was an extra cost we were not going to pay. So I was not going to go to physiotherapy because that was upwards of 1500 Hong Kong dollars a session. It's like 150 pounds or a hundred us dollars a session. We didn't have insurance. All of these things were just inaccessible in my mind. So I wanted to heal this diastasis, um, this abdominal separation. I wanted to heal this pelvic floor dysfunction myself Then entered the Girls Gone Strong certification, which was a pre and postnatal coaching certification. And that changed my life because then I was becoming qualified in something that I was now interested in. Dan had actually suggested to me, he was like, why don't you do some mummy fitness classes? And I just had so much imposter syndrome. I was like, I can barely do stuff. How can I instruct a group full of women to do stuff? We didn't have a helper. Who am I going to leave the baby with? I had such anxiety leaving the baby. And that's when mums and bubs sort of happened. Because I said, right, 
I want to bring my baby along with me to exercise. Let's incorporate these babies into exercise or just create a safe space on these martial arts mats (laughs) where we can bring our babies and work out. I think people get very anxious going to classes like that because they're like, what if my baby cries or and I'm like, we're all here with our babies. They are human beings. They don't necessarily want to sleep the whole class or cooperate. You attend to your child. Do not feel like you have to shush your baby. My favorite thing is when a baby is melting down and I get to hold it. That is my favorite thing because that mom can just focus on what she needs to do for that 10 minutes, that exercise, and then we can swap. It builds such amazing community. And once my son got older and we could afford outside help and childcare, I could then actually give 100% of my attention to these moms and to their kids. It progressed from being moms and bubs to a postnatal gym-based class where women were just free to bring their kids. And it became a community. With pregnancy and postpartum, it just does you get cohorts of people. So it became, I had taken women through pregnancy, through postpartum, through another pregnancy and through another postpartum. And it was just, it was amazing. And I, I have a lot of friendships, genuine friendships with these women. I mean, community support Mm -hmm. means just what we talked about earlier when you're going through those feelings, it's everything. It's just everything. And everyone was going through the same milestones at the same time. And, you know, your babies would, or there would be a mom who had a baby that was six months and she was talking to the mom with a four month old being like, you will get through that sleep regression. So tell me about your postnatal depression. When did that start to lift? Once I started connecting with moms more, I had a dog and a baby and I made a friend who lived in our building and also had a dog and a baby. And we used to go for walks every morning and hikes every weekend with our dogs and our babies. And that was the first time I admitted that I had the postnatal depression. So probably around month four and it started lifting more and more the more I talked about it. I never went to see a therapist because again, I didn't think my mental health was worth the money, which in retrospect, I wish that I had just sought outside help, even if it was just one session a month or one session a fortnight. I think too, depending on where you live, You know, because I know it's not always an option for somebody to go. It can be, if you don't have insurance or it's not covered, it can be expensive. But there's often always a free mom gathering somewhere. Mm -hmm. And sometimes there's free groups where you can go. And I I know here, I believe it's at the Annerly, they do a postnatal depression group session that you can book into. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you're in this situation, you know, and you don't think that you could afford help, but you do feel like, I think trying to look into what is available for you, which is what you, which is what you did, you know, you did reach out and connect with somebody. So that's good. Yeah. But honestly, I would say mentally at least, at least the nine months close to a year, but I fortunately didn't need to be medicated. 
But you know what? Maybe I would have needed to be medicated if I'd gone to see a psychiatrist, but I never reached out. And I think there are a lot of moms out there who don't reach out out of fear of embarrassment or shame. Did you feel any shame? I was thinking about this. Like, was it shameful for you to tell your friend or did it come about naturally? Yeah, it was shameful for sure. Partly because I was such a happy person. And I always wanted to portray positivity and happiness. And then behind closed doors, I wasn't. I think what a lot of people forget sometimes is that we can hold, and this is what I feel like one of the gifts that motherhood reveals, is we can hold many things at the same time. So we can be, because I'm very similar to you in terms of wanting to be a positive, happy person all the time, but we can hold that and still have our challenges that we deal with and I think that's a lot of you know when you come to be a mother you start to realize you're going to hold these feelings that feel like they're almost against each other they're almost opposite like I love my partner but this is a really hard year for us I love my baby but my baby has colic and that's really challenging like all of these things suddenly seem like opposite things and I felt like I couldn't be upset or unhappy because I decided to have my baby If you know what I mean? Yes. I felt like because I had made the decision not to have a termination, I had to enjoy this. I had to enjoy every part of this. And it had to come naturally. After having the second child, it's like night and day. Do you know what I mean? Learn to let go. So much. Progress and learn. And you just know what you're doing the second time around as well. So not everything is a big stress. I think there's a lot of new mom stress or early postpartum anxiety about a lot of stuff that they like to scare us about, like SIDS. <laughs> Anyways, that's another podcast for another it's time. Another podcast. So but you have a second baby, which we, this is one of the ways actually Ziggy and I met which we're going to hear about in future podcasts is Siggy's second birth story which was different than your first it was totally different and in many different ways amazing <laughs> I'm really excited to talk about yeah, we'll birth. share we'll share that completely different birth story later on but you gotta stay tuned you gotta stay tuned thanks for having me Lindsay <laughs> on our podcast. You're welcome, Ziggy. Thank Mom, you for coming. Body, soul podcast. Thank you, Ziggy, for being so open today and sharing some amazing truths about yourself, which, you know, is the way forward. Thank you for listening and thank you so much to Ziggy for sharing some personal truths. If you need support, please head to the Mom Body Soul Instagram. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, hit subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts so you don't miss any Mom Body Soul. If you'd like to be a guest on Mom Body Soul, get in touch at mombodysoulpodcast at gmail.com. Next week, we speak to Jenny Fielding, a woman's health physio, on pregnancy, the pelvic floor, and postnatal recovery. Until next week, we're Mom Body Soul.